Welcome back to another episode of Finance with Fernando. I am your host, Fernando the Mortgage Maverick Tacuna. Please drop me a follow on Instagram at Mortgage Maverick or on Facebook at Real Mortgage Maverick. Today is another podcast episode where I'm actually doing something a little unique, and that's an interview with my social media guru, Dizzy Parker, uh, who is going to ask some questions as he and his wife prepare for home ownership uh, in the short and long term. So. Dizzy has some questions he's going to ask. I love the Q&A aspect and uh, kind of flow uh, of these types of podcasts. So why don't we kick it off? Dizzy, what do you what do you want to start off with and uh, ask? Well, 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 I know, I know that a couple of years ago, I restarted my life. And we've talked about this in private. And then we, we tried that other podcast episode that didn't work out. Yeah, we so. did a Zoom that just did not work out at all. But it's all right. We're it's here. Okay. This we're is here again better. and we're live. Better for the crowd. And yes. I can address that on camera because I'm the guy that runs all of that. That's true. So hello, everybody. Uh, I uh, A couple of years ago, I thought that I was moving to California and I restarted my whole life. And then I quickly moved back to New York. So I call that my, my big life reset and early I, life crisis. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I mean, it could be for me, the midlife, who knows? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Nowadays. The way I stress. Nowadays. Uh, so at that time I started an entirely new career in working for myself and then the thing, you know, the thing that shut down the world happened. Yeah. So I had to get a day job and I was basically making no money from that career. I mm. had two clients, you were one of them. And then I had a W2 for a hot second. And then a year later, uh, I officially went full time with my career. And that was only a few months ago. The company. Yeah. Yeah. My business. Yeah. Different side media. Follow different side media. <laughs> He's just giving us himself plugs this entire That's time. That's what I do. This is finance with Fernando, not finance with Disney. It's <laughs> well, all that's good. Why it's, I'm all good. it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. You're giving true. me the answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so that was only it was less than a year ago okay. that I officially went full time with my business. And I know that that presents one obstacle. Yep. But at the same time, I know that when I did reset my myself, uh, I also ruined my credit. Like I maxed out credit cards to go to California and then trying to start my career, I defaulted on all of them and, and a car loan too, to go okay. along with it, just yep. to make it fun. Yep. Well, the one thing I would say is not to interrupt you. This is not like uncommon. <laughs> um, a lot of the people listening, or if you're watching this, you know, there's, there's been a lot of issues with finance, uh, due to the pandemic. A lot of my clients have gone from, you know, being W-2, going to, you know, open their own business, be self-employed or vice versa. You know, they had their own business. They didn't have enough assets uh, in reserves or what have you. And all of a sudden they, you know, they needed to get a, a W-2 job if they can. Some people are still unemployed, honestly. Um, so as far as like the credit, credit aspect of it, why don't we start there? So when you're looking to actually obtain financing and buy a home, you really need a snapshot into your credit, right? So like what Dizzy said, there might be some skeletons in the closet and they really have to be uh, uncovered and discussed up front. Um, the one thing I will say about him is he's been very um, transparent about his credit situation. Uh, yeah, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people aren't like that. You know, so I'll speak with someone and they'll say, I have excellent credit, I have no issues, and then I pull their credit report, and it may not be terrible, but 
I'll say, well, what about these late payments, you know, on a car loan from three years ago? And they're like, well, that's three years ago. And I'm like, well, three years ago isn't that long ago. <laughs> Wait, you do know? people think that they, they're trying to impress you, the lender, or what? Well, I think, I think the concept is a lot of consumers think someone in my position, you know, so my title is a senior home lending advisor, uh, also called a loan officer. A lot of people think they have to sell themselves to me. You know, um, or they just have to sell themselves in general. It's almost like a date, you know, like they're trying to impress me. And the thing is, is that I prefer, and anyone else in finance will agree with this, I just prefer the truth because then I can really structure the conversation to make sure that I'm helping you in the best way possible and setting proper expectations, you know? So if someone calls me and says, I have amazing credit, you know, XYZ, whatever, and then all of a sudden I found out I find out it's not, my previous conversation is null and void because I thought something different, right? Um, so in your situation, what I would say is you always have to take into consideration when you're obtaining financing for real estate, there's minimum credit scores, okay? And those are just guidelines set by lenders and, and uh, investors in secondary markets that are providing mortgages like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. So typically like that lowest credit score hovers around 620, sometimes 640, depending on the loan. There are lenders out there that go as low as 580, but typically what I tell clients is they charge you for that. So what I mean by that is, is that if you have subpar credit, it's kind of like if you're getting an auto loan and you have subpar credit, you know, they may require more down payment, they may require a higher interest rate, they may require uh, larger closing costs, you know, that type of stuff. So you're um, more of a risk. So they're gonna, that's, so everything that's, that is like the best way to look at it. And, and it's great that you got there on your own. Everything is risk-based. Whatever you do when it comes to lending, whether it's auto loan, home financing, personal loan, whatever it is, it's all risk-based, right? So the lower your credit score, the higher risk you are, right? And then if you have late payments on top of that, you're even an increased risk at that point. So, so definitely look at your credit score and speak with a lender to find out what maybe their minimum is, you know? Um, and if you're shopping between lenders, obviously, you know, you wanna know that going into it if you're trying to repair your credit. Now, as far as what you said about some of the, the charge-offs, yeah. you know, like you mentioned. Charged off literally every card I had and a car. So I remember when you brought this up, because we've been working together for what, like a year now, right? Yeah. So I remember I remember when this happened and you were like telling me about the charge-offs and it was almost like a weight lifted off your shoulder, I remember at the time. Yeah. Like it's, it, it stunk, more. it stunk, but you were like, it's charged off, right? So I'm like, I'm, I'm good. But so so the thing is, is that any, derog that, that's called derogatory credit, mm. okay? Derogatory credit is like, late payments, bankruptcy, foreclosures, um, charge-offs, you know, stuff like that. So derogatory items typically follow you for about seven to 10 years, okay? Now, do they, once you pay that off, cause like I've paid off a lot of them over the last year and there's a couple more that I have to finish, but once that's done, do, are you able to say, hey, will you report this and get it removed? Or is that something that just happens? So it doesn't, it happens over time where it's removed, but that's where you're seeing, seeing like that seven to 10 year look back, right? So I have clients that had charge-offs five years ago and I pull their credit and it shows up. It doesn't necessarily hurt them because typically within that period of time, if you have on-time payments, you know, your credit's repairing itself, right? Because it's all about, seasoning good payments. Mm. That's what it is. And that's the thing that really stinks with credit. It's like, if you ruin your credit today, there's nothing you could do by tomorrow to improve it. You could pay everything off, 
you know, as far as like charge-offs and derogatory items, you know, you could request, so let's say you had a charge-off with an auto, you know, an auto loan. Whoever gave you that auto loan, you could call their customer service department and say, listen, I paid you guys in full. Can you report to the bureaus that I paid you off? Just to have something on my report showing that it's no longer there. Will it work or not? It depends, you know. Um, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes there's a process to remove it. They'll say, you gotta fill this out, you gotta mail it to us, you gotta do X, Y, and Z. So, you know, it, it really just, it depends on the company and their protocol. Um, but the thing is, is that the longer, like I know right now, you know, you're recently married, you know, within the past year or so, and a year ago, and you're gonna be looking to buy a home, you may have to wait, you know, another year or so for that to kind of let the dust settle. Mm. And then at that point, you know, so at least you get attractive financing options. You yeah, know what I mean? One thing I learned a trick that I became an authorized user on her credit. So that immediately that's gave a great, me a big boost. That's a great trick. Yes. <laughs> I follow lots of YouTube channels. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I figure I can- Including mine, make sure you follow. <laughs> make sure you follow. Yes. Uh, we're still trying to get that URL, folks. So if anybody yeah. wants to go to at uh, my mortgage maverick <laughs> on Instagram and say, hey, Free up the YouTube URL. Yeah. We will we would love that help. So there's someone back in two thousand six? <laughs> yeah, it there's was someone fourteen years ago. Yeah, there's someone from fourteen years ago or two thousand seven that has the URL for my YouTube channel, Mortgage Maverick. And he did, only put one video. There's one video of him skydiving. And I said, and, hey, man, do you mind if we have that? And he was idea. He was actually very cordial, right? He was beginning. cool. He just hasn't done it yet. He just hasn't done it. So Free Mortgage Maverick YouTube <laughs> URL. We're starting a hashtag. Anyway, anyway, we digress, but but yeah. So <laughs> so anyway, yeah. I mean, like the credit the credit thing. What I'll say is is that when you're looking to obtain financing or buy a home, start early, review, follow. If you guys have, um, I don't I don't know who you bank with, but you know they they have like free credit monitoring, you know, like through your bank account. Definitely enroll in that. Yeah, that's Every where single my time. higher score is. No, that's where my, I don't remember. Well, I it gives you an scores. idea. It's yeah. not, it's typically not 100% accurate, but it gives you an idea. And, and what you said about authorized users, so this is great for you guys to know as well. If you have a spouse or a significant other or a boyfriend, girlfriend that has really good credit, they could add, uh, add you as an authorized user to their credit card. And that will, that will number one, allow you to have more available credit to you. So that changes your revolving utilization on paper. Revolving utilization is basically like, let's say you have $10,000 of credit available to you and you're using $10,000, you max it out. Now you're at 100% revolving utilization. The bureaus typically don't like for you to be over 40%. Mm. So, so if you go over that 40% mark, that's considered high risk, right? So adding that authorized user, even if she doesn't necessarily have on-time payments, like where she's using credit and paying it, you know, let's say she doesn't use credit at all, adding that available credit limit that helps as well. Yeah, you know, especially that because helps. I couldn't get a credit card. Well, there you actually, go. I just, on a fluke, asked, like, did one of those little pre-approval things yep. just to find out. It said it wouldn't, it wouldn't affect. What was it an Amex Black card or no? I'm just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. No, funny enough, like one of my cards was Capital One. Okay. Uh, and that one actually, yeah, it was just one. I had two with PayPal. Um, one of my cards was Capital One. That's Synchrony Bank PayPal. Yeah. Yeah, I got so many of those. Synchrony. Yeah, they usually, Synchrony, Synchrony really lives in that space where if you miss a payment, 
they charge you all that back deferred interest. Oh, that happened too. You know, and stuff like that. So you guys, you gotta just be careful with that stuff because they, they're not out to be your friend. They don't wanna help you buy stuff and like and and like help you in life they they just want to earn interest off of you oh yeah and if you you're I mean? if you're a consumer online you're more likely to just click junk uh and the more you click yep. like they'll take advantage well of paypal paypal has really um they've really created a expertise in having that like one click purchase yeah you know and i know because i use it i have a, i actually have a paypal credit card it's not a physical card it's um it's an interest-free for six months credit line, which I love. I mean, someone like me, yeah, I love that. I got started. Because that's what I do. I charge a bunch of stuff. It's the only credit card I leave a balance on because I'm not paying any interest. So I'm like, why am I gonna take money out of my investment accounts and actually and, and pay off debt that I'm not paying any interest on? You know what I mean? It just doesn't make sense. So I leave it the way it is. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll pay it when it comes due in six months and not have any interest, you know? But anyway. So, um, so yeah, that's that's my recommendation on credit on you guys as well is to make sure that, you know, you're you're monitoring it, you're doing what you can. If you can reach out to those bureaus or or the the creditor that had the charge off mm. and have a conversation with them, I would definitely do that. Okay, that's you know? that's a good. And good then start. and then last, you brought up um, you brought it up all at once, but you yeah, brought up my the, new career, the transition for the new career. So it's so this all is one big piece of a giant. Well, puzzle. so that's that's like the case, right? So I get on the phone with someone, or I meet with someone, and they go, "Let me give you like the rundown," <laughs> you know. And it's it's like their whole life. It's your whole life, right? If you're listening and watching this, it's what we're exploring is is your deepest, darkest secrets when it comes to finance. Yeah, the stuff you can't lie about. Your good habits and your bad habits, the stuff that's in black and white. And that's what I love about finance is that it's numbers, yeah. right? There's no, there shouldn't be any gray area, it's black and white. So regarding your employment, where this becomes a little more difficult on home financing is if you're self-employed, right? And you're newly self-employed, lenders typically want you to have at least two years of tax returns filed in the business. And the reason why they want that is because it's showing stability of income. And they have something to work off of. They have a foundation to work off of, right? So if you just started a business last year, you didn't claim any income, right, to the IRS. So let me digress real quick. The, whatever you show the IRS is what lenders use, okay? So if you're, if you're making a, you know, 150,000 or $200,000 as a self-employed, you know, uh, business owner, and you're writing all that off to 50 grand, you're going to qualify with $50,000 of income, not 200,000. It it makes everyone so angry that's a business owner when I bring this up to them because what happens is when I do a pre-approval or I look to refi someone, I look at their tax returns if they're a business owner, and the reason why I do that is because I have to calculate what your allowable income is, right? And they were like, well, that doesn't make sense. I, I made 200 grand, you know, I'm driving a Mercedes, or blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> well, you said you didn't. Well, the thing is, is that you, whatever you're showing the government and whatever you're paying taxes on is what we're allowed to use. It's as simple as that. So in the business, the self-employed business category, if you're a new business owner, they want to see that track record. So being that you just transitioned a year ago, you're going to have to make sure that you have two years consecutive for the business for someone to actually review your finances and say, okay, based on the income that you're showing to the IRS, we could use that you're making $5,000 a month or whatever. And this is where the, the catch comes in. As a business owner, you're going to go to your CPA, and I know you're gonna do this as well, listening and watching, and your CPA is gonna say, let's write everything off. Yeah, 
That's what you're not going to pay any taxes. You pay me $300 to do your taxes. We're going to write everything off. You're going to look broke. That's great, right? Yeah, for the time. they can't tax you that. Exactly. They can't tax you. That's great for the time being, but then when you go to apply for a loan, when they look at your income statements, they're going to be like, you're showing a loss. That could happen. You could show that you're losing money during the year as a business owner. So here's a here's a question uh, because I have the inside inside scoop because I record you every single week or every, twice a month whatever. Um, I hear you talk about not writing off all your money, and then I heard somebody else talking in a wholly wholly different conversation recently, where they were talking about writing off up to a certain point. Like you you just show that the amount that they would tax you you don't make now. This might be like beyond your level, or it might be exactly in your field. Uh, is there like a sweet spot that you could try to write off in your business mm -hmm. and then still show enough income to be able to get a mortgage? Well, so that, it's a good question, but it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. So what I mean by that is, it's, it's about looking at the formula of how lenders calculate your debt to income ratio. So that's the amount of debt you have per month in relation to your gross income, there's a formula that we use. We, we just take the debt, we divide it by your gross income, okay? And that gives us a percentage. And depending on what type of loan you're applying for, that percentage may be 50%, right? So let's say you're trying to buy a home and the mortgage payment is $3,000 a month, right? Well, 3,000 is 50% of 6,000. 6,000 times 12 is 72,000 a year. So for you to be in that debt to income ratio to afford a home with a monthly payment of 3,000 or less, you have to be making 6,000 a month or 72,000 a year, you see. So you're kind of backing into it. A lot of lenders, their guidelines are not to, not to help you back into it. You know, we're supposed to say how much money you make. Okay, you could afford this. Yeah. You see what I mean? But, you know, we could educate you on what debt to income ratio is. I mean, that's, you could Google this stuff. This is not, you know, or you could just watch my other videos. Which we're doing right now. We're educating you. Yeah, yeah. Or you could just <laughs> watch educated. the other videos or podcasts. But, you know, so that's, that's something that you would want to look at depending on what you're looking to accomplish. You know, and I'll give you an example of myself. So I'm looking to buy, I think I told you, I'm looking to buy a four unit investment property and I'm speaking with a lender, right? And, and they're going over the numbers and I'm not using some of my rental income for my other properties because I don't need to because certain rental income and my regular income from originating loans is enough money for me to qualify, you see? So why muddy the waters? You know what I mean? Why add more documentation and, and all that stuff if I don't have to, you know? so. If you're going out there and you're going to say, I'm looking to buy a house for 400,000, my, I, you know, I'm going to put X amount of dollars down. I need a loan for this. You just have to figure out what that, that income needs to be. And then you could go to your CPA and any accountant that may be watching this will agree. You know, I'm sure they prefer you to say, I need to show X amount of dollars on paper as opposed to you doing your tax return and then going back to them a month later and being like, hey, I have to amend my return, mm. you know? And, and once again, we're not allowed to say that. We can't, we can't say to a client, you have to amend this return to make more money to qualify mm. you, you know what I mean? But you, you could do that as a consumer and then we could work on the new numbers, you see what I mean? But um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it, it kind of stinks because you could educate, but you can't, Le you you can't lead the horse to water. Yeah, you could help the horse drink, 
but you can't lead the horse to water as far as compliance is concerned, which kind of doesn't make sense because if someone says, what do I need to qualify for this loan size? I should be able to say, you got to do this, 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 and this, you know, but they want to limit that because they don't want that. It's called steering. They don't want us to steer people into loans that, you know, they, they wouldn't normally qualify for. Right, you, right. you see what I'm saying? So, but, but it's as simple as that, you know, it's, you have to be careful because you have two aspects of the three most important attributes of applying for a mortgage, income, assets, and credit. So assets may be okay, but the income and the credit may be where the issue is. You know, so I think I think you you have the knowledge. Now, once again, we tape this and this is just a conversation. Like I don't have anything in front of me, he has nothing in front of him. We talked about this and he was like, I want you, he has water, I have water. And he, he basically was like, I just wanna know like how to do this. Like I'm married, I wanna buy a house. So this is what prompted this episode because we filmed it on Zoom, but the connections were just terrible. Um, and I think it's good for everyone to hear this because it's not as simple as you may think. It is simple, but it's not as simple as you may think in certain circumstances, so. So basically, uh, if we were to wrap it all up and I take this information and I'm like, I'm applying this to my life. I need to get my credit to an acceptable level that a lender would, would like. They would say, okay, you're not a risk to us. Yep. And I need to have a consistent income history of two years at my business. Yep. Now, here's here's a tiny little wrench. Don't two years returns. Not two years two of year. returns yep. that show enough income. Yep. Okay, so the tiny wrench in this spoke, it, the tiny wrench in this giant spoke, whatever, uh, is that my wife is also transitioning into her own career as well. Like this will be her first year filing taxes and she also switched to like a part-time job just to supplement that. Uh, so we'll have to do that for both of us, right? Correct. All right. That's so that's, that's where, yeah, that's where self-employed borrowers, like um, a lot of people, one, one spouse is self-employed the other one isn't and and i always have the conversation like put your spouse that's not self-employed as the first primary applicant and the co-applicant as the self-employed because if sometimes what will happen is i'll do my review and i'll say okay your spouse like let's say for example let's say your your wife was a teacher you know and i look at the numbers and i'm like based on her salary she qualifies on her own and, and, and we could apply just in her name. I give you that option. I don't force you into it, you know, because I'm not allowed to do that. But I could say, listen, with you, with you being included, we can't have any income reporting for you because you don't have two years tax returns, but we have income from her. She qualifies on her own. And if you're on the application, I got to hit you with your debt, mm. right? In against her income as well. But if we remove you and just put on, put you on title indeed, as an owner, you could still be an owner of the property, but we, we're using her to qualify. In your situation, that's not the case. Yeah, we're You're both, both self-employed. Yeah. So you both have what, what I call variable income. And it's, it's non-seasoned income. You see what I mean? So you'll both have to wait that two-year period. There might be lenders out there. You know, I know like some other lenders follow my content. You know, there might be lenders out there that may be able to help you. And if you can, comment below, you know, or because or, yeah. I'm curious, you know, to, to learn how other people do things as well. You know, I always want to grow and improve and maybe there are products out there that I don't offer, you know. Um, but that's that's basically the that's the 
the conundrum that you're in right now with with your income, and it will it will improve. Obviously, you'll eventually oh, yeah. get there. Like I've already know. boosted my credit like a significant amount over the last six months, just like yeah. knocking out all those charge offs. Yeah, and exactly. You know, and that's that's a good thing to do. Is just like you know, I think right now you have the ability to not have to worry about owning property and actually paying for upgrades or renovations or any stuff like that because your landlord takes care of that. So you could really focus on, obviously you have to pay rent, but you could focus on knocking down the credit, improving your scores. Well, this sounds like it could refer to your previous podcast episode. Rent versus buy, check out that one. <laughs> yeah, that was the episode before this. But no, it's exactly it. You know, renting is not a bad thing. Um, it's it, it's a good way for you to transition into home ownership. And I've had some clients turn around and they're like, I never own a home, I never would own a home. It's, it's a, you know, like I saw something, I forget who it was. I don't think it was Grant Cardone. I forget who it was, but someone was like, owning real estate doesn't make sense. I don't know, man. Like I completely disagree. You know, I'm going on owning eight units. And, you know, I, yeah, I'll have eight investment units after we close on this four unit and then two additional units, my house, my father's property. So it's, it's one of those things where I think real estate is an appreciating asset and you're using it. You know, you're using it where owning a car, like if anything, I would I would say owning a car doesn't make sense. Yeah, I totally You know what I mean? That. I'd be like, I mean, we need cars from where we live, but you know, if you live in an area where you could do, you know, you could get a taxi everywhere, whatever, what do you need a car for? Yeah, I mean, you know? the, the money the money kind of shakes out when you're paying the, paying the cab fees and whatnot, you're paying for gas and oil changes yeah. and all. Yeah. If you have a $500 a month payment, let's say for a car, and you're paying $6,000 a year just for a car payment, not including insurance, gas, everything else, and you look at your Uber charges, whenever you gotta go out, if you go out, let's say two times a week, I don't know, do the math. Yeah. You know, that's another episode though. Yeah, we'll talk about that. We definitely but do that one. That's, yeah, I mean, it's true. It's yeah. true to actually look at it. So it just depends on how your life is going. Um, I mean, hopefully this helped you. Hopefully this helped the listeners and viewers. Um, and you guys are hoping, you know, hopefully enjoying this, um, this like video podcast. I, I like this style. I enjoy it. It makes me want to watch. Uh, I know my wife has said that they're great. She said great things. Like she likes to be visually walked through stuff and she might not listen to podcasts on the podcast apps. Yeah. So yeah. like just being everywhere. Yeah. Uh, we want to hear, this is where I get to step in because I am the social media manager. Uh, we want to hear where you prefer your content. Do you want it in audio form? Do you want it in video form? Do you like it in small snippets on Instagram and TikTok? Like reels. You tell us and we will do more of that. I appreciate you guys watching and listening. Stay safe and well. Hopefully you found this useful. I've said hopefully probably eight times in the past five minutes. But you haven't said actually. That's true. I've been getting away from actually. Dizzy, thanks for being on. Really appreciate it. Hopefully, 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 hopefully you found this uh, useful. We'll catch you on the next one. Definitely like, subscribe. Thanks again.